Hi and welcome to another episode of Roger Adams Master Trainer. Um, now we have a really interesting topic today so uh, I'm doing this one on my own just so that I can uh, kind of pontificate how it, people build training schedules and how, how their training schedule unfolds and this can be for all kinds of sports so it's, it's not just related to bodybuilding but it's just related to the whole concept of how you as an individual sports person um, as an amateur sports person kind of look at your season however long that may be whether it's just a few short sharp weeks uh, or whether it's kind of like the football season where it's it's a big chunk of over a 12-month period um, how how you make that work for you so particularly with the type of clients that that, that I deal with at the moment <clears throat> you know they're looking at the year in terms of a number of events, a number of blocks of uh, training, and trying to make some sense of that as to how it might work. Um, so classically, classically, people would consider, you know, they're, they're in a download period, they're in their off-season, in inverted commas, where they're just kind of enjoying life, not too, not too focused on their whole diet and nutrition plan, enjoying themselves, doing a little bit of training, and just having fun, from that point of view with their sport whatever that sport might be or maybe even they're trying something alternative which is also a point of interest uh, in terms of exercise maybe trying something quite different altogether <clears throat> then we start to plan for some, some people for example the cyclists out there might look at their calendar or the people doing adventure races or, or marathons and they look at their calendar and they say right okay head back into gear um, this is a range of events that I'm interested in over the competitive season. Uh, very often things like that run from end of March to um, the end of autumn. And, and they, they then say, okay, so if we're targeting three or four or five or six events, let's start to get serious about training and preparation for that. So then people would go into a block of pre-season, <laughs> What does preseason constitute for for most sports? Very often for people, it's a number of different phases or a number of different aspects. People start to consider their nutrition. So uh, you then get people saying, "Okay, I need to sharpen up my diet." The simplest way to do that is to keep a diet diary. While you're keeping your diet diary, keep a you know keep a gauge of what the scales are giving you as feedback as to whether you are losing or improving your weight. Um, I would always suggest people uh, in, you know, choose the place at which you do it in terms of light. So you get a really good representation, but take progress pictures on a regular basis. Very often the visual image is far more important than the number that the scales are giving you as feedback. Because if, if you're in a conditioning phase, you're hoping to get stronger, you're hoping to build a little bit of muscle mass, so the scales may stay relatively balanced, but your physical composition could dramatically change. So keep a record of that, and it's it's a it's a visual record and a written record of your progress in preseason. Again, people would use this kind of preseason phase of a number of weeks to get stronger, to rebuild their fitness, and very often to work off a lot of winter weight put on through the winter period we're genetically disposed to, to do it but as a, a kind of 
a more modern lifestyle takes effect, it seems to take an even bigger effect where people get very, very heavy, relatively speaking, over a winter phase um, and then spend a good part of pre-season trying to drop a number of pounds that they feel they've put on over the winter. I think at this point in time, people then start to make mistakes with whatever sport they, you know, they're playing. So, for example, cyclists, for example, uh, people that do a significant amount of road work, either run or ride, you know, uh, other sports of people that, that where I'm involved in, where people are swimming, or, or maybe they're putting all three together and they're training for triathlon, duathlon, and at a very impressive level, training for half Ironman and full Ironman. People then forget when they start to get towards their competition season to continue their strength and conditioning program. The idea is that you should scale it, obviously scale it down because then you start to practice for, for your actual competitive events. But I, I, th- I do think people do miss a trick in terms of maintaining strength, maintaining or improving power. But also uh, by, you know, even even if you only did one uh, focused gym session in the week you help your body stay injury free you help your body improve in its uh, explosive ability um, so you're not just relying on your sport-based feedback to uh, to manage your physique let's say so as the competition season starts to build up for various people they they, they drift away from their strength and conditioning program. So whereas before in that preseason, somebody may be doing two, three, four, maybe even five sessions a week, uh, to suddenly drop that off like a cliff edge and say, right, I've done that phase over eight or nine weeks, uh, I I would suggest uh, can leave a hole in your continuation training plan into your um, into your competitive season. So for, uh, I'll give you a really classic example, and, and I've dealt with a number of uh, rowing teams in the past. You know, I would have been contacted in the new year, can you do a strength and conditioning program for us? We, you know, we row from Club X. The various people from Club X would, uh, would attend. We do a really vigorous training plan for eight, eight to 10 weeks, let's say. In that period of time, people are losing weight, they're getting fitter, they're kind of getting their whole uh, club vibe back together. And then you never see them again, um, bar for the one or two diligent ones that that would uh, continue, uh, you know, at least a couple of sessions a week in the gym. Um, but the the majority, probably even 80% of uh, the people that you would have seen for preseason, just, again, you don't see again till 11 months down the road. And and I, and I just re- really wanted to say something as as part of the podcast to say, I personally think that's a really big mistake. Um, you tend to find these people um, year after year, their performances, it might be very consistent because that's the plan they've consistently worked with for year after year after year. But is it improving? Is it an improvement cycle or, or is it just, you know, uh, same old stuff, just another day type thing? So when, you know, if you're looking at your season ahead, Say, right, okay, we're going to do a really focused block of pre-season strength and conditioning. We're going to get leaner. We're going to get stronger. um, We're going to build up above and beyond where we were last year in terms of our starting performance in the season. And then during the season, we're going to try and maintain that strength and conditioning program, but to a slightly lesser extent, because obviously the main focus of whatever your sport is, rowing, 
cycling, running, whatever it might be, uh, then takes over. Now, if you're training for a marathon, uh, you're probably on the road for the for the bulk of the year. You're probably on the road maybe three times a week. Uh, you know, there's certainly scope there in addition to do an hour in the gym focusing on uh, speed, power, mobility um, and, and making yourself uh, a better and more explosive, but yes, also a more durable runner, for example. <clears throat> During the competitive period, there are, there are also peaks and troughs in the competitive period. You know, nobody, nobody's competing every weekend. So, for example, even, even when I've worked in the world of rugby, on average, you could plan for maybe every sixth or seventh week being classed as a download week from specific rugby training or rugby competition. So so then you say to the guys, right, okay, we've a week off now, but we're going to return to the gym. We're going to do two, two sessions in the gym and we're going to work on speed, power and mobility. So, you know, you're not talking guys coming into the gym training in a bodybuilding format, but you're certainly looking at people coming into the gym and working on those issues that m- maintain or and or improve your physique. You know, when you're looking at your scheduling plan, consider these download periods or physically put them in for yourself so if you know if you're prepping for a marathon then you 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 know you're probably working in blocks of 8 to 10 weeks and then after your block has finished take a download week let your body breathe let your body recover try something different um you know for example a really good form of uh, low impact exercise is, is to go swimming cycling is 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 equally good if you you know if you're not a good swimmer so you know in a download week from pounding your body on the road or whatever your sport is then just do a, a, a mini block of something else so it keeps your cardiovascular system ticking over quite nicely it just lets your body breathe lets your body work in a different way you'll find it quite refreshing and then when you start your next block of your sport-based training, whatever that is, <clears throat> you'll find that you're, you, you know, your body feels really good. It feels really activated. So what you're looking for is an improvement curve over all of these blocks. So classically, somebody training for a marathon, you know, you're taking them from being you know, somebody that can jog, somebody that can maybe competently run, let's say even a 10K. So if you can competently run a 10K in or around or under 60 minutes, then you're certainly a candidate that in um, six to uh, six to nine months' time could very competently run uh, a marathon and get through the marathon. You know, you're not setting any massive target times, but you're just saying, would I be be capable of running a marathon in you know and and enjoy running a marathon to its conclusion? Then yeah, that's certainly um, certainly something you can work towards, but. You, you plan in blocks of development to get your body used to, you know, the conditioning requirements uh, for that type of format. <clears throat> but within that schedule, you need to build download periods. You need to build an element of continuing uh, strength and conditioning because, you, you know, you're asking your body to perform something that it's never done before or maybe it's done before, but this time you want to improve, you want to be faster Look at all of the elements that come together that can make your development schedule better than it was before. So, you know, if you keep doing the same thing every year, your development curve is, is going to be really limited, if, if any at all. Um, so when people come to me and they say, look, I've, I've run three or four marathons, uh, I'm very consistent around four hours, 20 minutes, but I, I just can't improve. 
And then you look at their plan and their running schedule is all running based at the speed at which they normally run at. So are they are they getting their body to activate it faster? The answer is no. So, you know, you start to look at how you can improve that running performance. So we start to do some speed work. Uh, we start to do some explosive movement work in the gym. You start to do a mixed pace running. So turn it on, turn it off, turn it on, turn it off over a, 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 a reasonable distance that's manageable. And then, then, of course, you practice your longer distance race pace run. And that gets that's over the planned blocks that stretch out, stretches out, stretches out, stretches out until, you know, you can very nicely sit back and say, right, you're now ready to run that marathon in three or four weeks. <clears throat> in a similar fashion to your training schedule, then your nutrition schedule also alters. So, for example, somebody with, with, with my interest in bodybuilding, you know, you're in the off season, you're pretty much eating whatever you want. Um you know, you feel nice and full, you may be holding between 12 and 15% body fat. Then you go into the pre-competition schedule, which generally speaking takes three to four months. So initially you start working that excess body fat off. You're reintroducing a fair bit more cardio into your plan. You're really focused on your training schedule. And then your nutrition starts to get tighter and tighter and tighter. You know, you, you're really managing your micronutrient base. You know, you're managing the little things that make a difference. So your use of vitamins and minerals and oils and, you, you know, your protein schedule and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so it starts to ramp up and ramp up and ramp up. And then, you know, then you come to that competitive, very intense period. You're four weeks out from a show. You're really starting to shred down. You're manipulating your water levels, you know, and, and you, you're getting very, very focused about what's to happen at that competition the difference in bodybuilding is very often people only do one show per year so you either get it right or you get it dramatically wrong or you're somewhere in between you do your show and, and that, then that's it if you're cute about it because you've another competition in mind next time you'll phase how your body drags itself back to some degree of normality over four to six weeks post show so you'll kind of diet your way back out of that competition shape. Guys who are only maybe or guys or girls that may only want to compete once, you know, they do their show, that's it. The day after they're in McDonald's or they're in the Chinese and all of a sudden, three, four days later, they're 12, 14 pounds heavier. And, they're, you know, they're, they're thinking, wow, where did all that condition go? But look, if you're, if, you know, if you're looking at a schedule, then think about your season in the big picture the medium term, and then the short immediate term. So build a, a set of stepping stones that will get you to the performance level that you're thinking you're, you're capable of. Um, and then the little things that make a difference are built-in rest and recovery periods over that schedule. As you change your nutrition plan to really support your sporting aim, then really think about all the little things that can make a difference within that schedule. Yeah, we all know about, you know, your protein intake has to stay stable. Uh, you have to make sure you're hitting all your, your vitamins and your minerals, you know, getting your vegetables in and all that kind of stuff. It's a really calculated nutrition plan. Um, manipulating your carbohydrates to either massively load and give you a huge energy boost uh, or to slowly reduce your carbohydrate intake to improve your um, visual look of your physique lots of different ideas out there around diet 
to support different training aims. What I would say when people are prepping for more cardio-based training aims, so for example, in the world of cycling, in the world of running, certainly in the world of duathlon and triathlon where you've got multi-events, so people are training multiple times over a week, you think you think you can get away with uh, very high sugar-based calorie diets because the amount of calories you're burning in your weekly training schedule are, are huge. So, for example, if somebody's training for um, a serious cycling event where maybe at the weekend you know, you're expected to ride 140, 160, maybe 200 kilometers in, in one session, Yes, in that one ride, you're going to burn a massive amount of cardio-based calories. But to think in your normal dietary schedule in preparation for that big event, you can get away with, um, you know, a very poor quality carbohydrates, uh, an awful lot of ref refined sugar to give you that initial boost while you're, while you're doing your training. Your body's going to pay the price of that over time. So, you know, there's been a lot of research uh, for example, around uh, why people training for a marathon, particularly if it's the first time marathon, why they actually lose very little weight over a 12-month period. And the problem is, yes, you're bound to lose an awful lot of weight while you're training for that marathon. But then when you suddenly stop and have your Forrest Gump moment, um, when you suddenly stop running and think, right, I don't want to do this anymore, your body's still got used to that really high calorie demand. I use myself as an example when I was in my um, kind of mid to late 30s, my, my body was really used to consuming, we were between six and a half and seven and a half thousand calories a day to maintain the mass that, uh, that had been achieved um, with very little cardio. So, you know, hold my hand up, my, uh, my body fat content was far too high for for my frame but the way that i was lifting over the week as you tend to find with guys that um that just lift very heavy in the gym um they they tend to be quite high in body fat because there's there's an element of body's uh, protection to that um you know like guys wear compression gear to to hold their mass together yeah your body fat has that similar effect so when you when you're training to be just low rep range extremely explosive in the gym but body mass has a big influence on that so you, you know your classic example of guys that do um uh, strongman type competitions they're huge huge men but then after they finish their competition career very often they self-regulate back to anything anything as extraordinary as seven eight stone less than they were in their competitive period now I experienced a similar swing myself when uh, I did uh, went back to the kind of notion of a bodybuilding competition in 2011, and in in my first diet over 16 weeks, I lost 78 pounds uh, of body fat, so just over six stone, whatever whatever it converts to. Uh, but yeah, 78 pounds. Um, people were stopping me in the street thinking I was uh, ill with some serious medical condition. Uh, but no, I was, I was just getting lean and, and, uh, and getting myself fit and much, much healthier. Since then, it's kind of plateaued out. I sit very nicely at um, 97, 98 kgs, just over uh, 210 pounds. 
Um, you know, and, I, and for my age, I feel fit and healthy with that. But certainly if I was looking to compete again, my schedule in the off season. So if I was thinking to compete again next year, I'd be thinking of, right, I just need to bulk up a little bit so I can try and put a little bit of muscle mass back on. And I'm going to give myself a block of time to do that. Then in the pre-competition phase, just drag off that little bit of excess body fat. But it would certainly be in a much more moderate and controlled fashion to the kind of theories that were around in the kind of, uh, certainly in the 80s of bodybuilding, where in the off-season, guys were encouraged to train as as a powerlifter, train as a guy doing a strongman. You got absolutely massive in the off-season um, no real thought to um, the, the, your physical look. Um, and then the idea of the pre-season competition uh, diet phase was to drag off all that body fat that you put on to reveal maybe an increase in muscle mass that you trained for and, and that you were hoping for. Certainly the, the way things are, go- are going now with the science of nutrition and the science of training scheduling, <clears throat> people are staying only 1% or 2% away from pre- true pre-season uh, condition. So they're holding their condition almost all year round just with slight fl- fluctuations in carbohydrates to, uh, you know, so you can either train that little bit heavier or train that little bit more explosive. And those same notions are being taken into other forms of sport. Uh, the world of rugby is, is, a, is a great example because it's a really kind of explosive-based physical sport, as we all know. Um, guys, on, guys on a rugby pitch now are, are built like freight trains. Um, you know, they're huge men, but still able to operate at, at tremendous speed and, and, um, and, and over 80 minutes. So you're talking a real physical animal. <clears throat> when it comes to uh, certainly professional rugby or semi-professional rugby. So strength and conditioning is maintained all year round. Aerobic training is maintained all year round. And then in addition to that are sport-specific training or coaching sessions um, to maintain or improve skill level. Um, so I think it's it's a really interesting uh, example for lower levels, shall we say, amateur sport or fun-based sport where you can say, all right, you know, I personally enjoy a little bit of cycling. There's a summer season to, to cycling, certainly with the cycling club. There are a couple of events that as a not too serious a cyclist, you'd still like to have a go off, you know, so you build up your mileage, you build up your, your capacity, you build up uh, your ability to keep going on the bike. Um, you're experimenting with nutrition on the bike or you're experimenting with uh, your carb loads. Um, so again, I recently put some information out there for a few cyclists in you know how to prepare your carb load over uh, 38 to 40 hours before you want that performance on the bike. You know, if there's more shared knowledge out there, then hopefully everybody can improve from it. So, you know, while you're while you look at your season and you, you want peak performance for a period of time and then you ease that training schedule off after that peak performance period, you still need to build in rest recovery and rehabilitation blocks within that. Um, I used to have a friend uh, in, in kind of the gym world who uh, every seventh week, religiously every seventh week, would take five days off. <clears throat> and built it into his training plan. Didn't matter where he was in the season. Um, you knew uh, it was it was 
you know, the seventh week had arrived because you wouldn't see him for five days and then he'd come back in. And, you, you know, it really worked for him. He had really good gains, multiple seasons or multiple seasons to uh, to really satisfy the training goal that he was looking for. Maybe every seven weeks is a little bit rigid when you're looking at the, the bigger picture of training, but certainly the, the notion of the plan that he was working to, there's a lot of merits to it. You know, your body can burn out quite quickly. Certainly if you extend your competitive season and you haven't taken uh, account for rest, recovery, rehabilitation, um, continuation of your strength and conditioning plan in a, in a kind of modified way, and your season extends classically in uh, kind of the world of GAA, footballers or hurlers, um, you know, all of a sudden you do better this season than you did last year. You progress further in various competitions. Your season can extend by even a couple of months and you then find all of a sudden when when you want to be at your very, very best because you've gone further than you've ever gone before uh, and you may be looking for promotion or looking to win silverware, you, then your body starts to break down and coaches are kind of looking at you going, well, you've been br- brilliant all season. What's, what's wrong with you now? So, you know, if you're a coach out there listening to this, give your players chance to breathe in a controlled fashion over the season. If you're a player out there, be conscientious enough to your own body um, to put these micro rest periods in to allow your body to, uh, for, you know, to allow your body to stretch. The phrase I have is to allow your body to breathe, to recover. You can do a little bit of rehab. You can maybe try something different. Working in a pool is 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 amazing for longevity because it's obviously it's it's not load bearing on your skeletal structure. <clears throat> so things like that where you can still stay very, very fit, um, but you just change the, the format in which that fitness is. Um, in the world of boxing, a lot of boxers now uh, as well as doing some road work for aerobic capacity. A lot of boxers now use swimming pool. So they're plowing up and down length after length, practicing their breathing, practicing their, obviously their swimming technique, but it's all about the cardio benefit, cardio strength benefit from, you know, doing 60 or 70 lengths in an hour, as opposed to going out and again, punishing your frame, your joints um, by doing road work. So look, there are lots of different ways you can approach your training schedule there are lots of different factors you need to consider the development in your nutrition plan the development in your skill level for that competitive block or whatever your sport is but i would urge you to break it down into bite-sized segments you know if you're going to do a marathon in six months time work backwards from that date and say right this is my running schedule this is my peak training week these are download weeks, and in my download week, I'm going to do some swimming, or I'm going to do something different, maybe road bike, uh, or a couple of spinning classes if you're not confident on the road. So you just look at your schedule, work backward backwards from the date at which you want to peak perform, and then build a plan around that where you get your body used to performing at the level you're going to want it to perform at, but give yourself some breaks in between. So it, it's not overly uh, scientific into well it is i suppose in one sense it's very scientific uh but it's not overly difficult to plan for you just need to be you know in a in a a, a really good thinking space get a couple of sheets of paper and a pen and think okay if this is the event i want to plan for let's work backwards where am i at now where do i need to be and how am i going to get from a b c 
and then to D, which is the competition day. And build a plan. If you don't have a plan, uh, I would almost, pretty much, I, w- I wouldn't almost guarantee it, but I wouldn't be far off saying you'll either put underperform very badly um, or you won't even get to your target date. And that would be a shame just for the sake of a little bit of planning and sticking to that schedule. If you're not quite sure what you're doing or how to build it, then take some advice from somebody that's either done it before uh, or done it multiple times before to see how they've learned from that process or from somebody that's really good at uh, planning for schedules for different sports. You know, somebody that's a range of experience with different sports that can say, right, these are the issues that are important to you for what you want to achieve. And this is how we're going to get through the stepping stones to achieve it there. So, look, it was just maybe something off the top of my head that I wanted to put out there. Training for any any competitive uh, season or any competitive single event takes time, takes effort, takes planning. So I would very much urge you to sit down, bounce it off somebody else, because somebody else might always think outside the box. And that little extra idea could mean the difference to your level of success. So I wish you well in the competitive season that's coming up. And... Um, All the best. You've been listening to Roger Adams, Master Trainer. If you want to contact me about any planning or training schedules, then by all means do by by my uh, Facebook or or email. All the information's out there. It's been a pleasure as always. Looking forward, um, I'm actually off to England in four weeks' time. I'm really, really excited about it. It's... um, uh, 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 getting back involved in the world of martial arts which has been a, literally a lifelong passion since being a boy I'm going over to see some guys we're going to have some fun we're going to have a chuck about and I have lots of very interesting news uh, while we're over there I'm going to film some stuff we're going to do a couple of podcasts with really good people while we're out there so I'm really really excited about the coming four weeks got to get my own ass into gear and start training for that kind of very specific weekend so it's all exciting stuff and listen i'll talk to you soon hope you found that a little bit useful a little bit enjoyable and we'll see where we go from there